Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Uh, let's get into today's service. Uh, for the last two well, Wednesdays, I was uh, speaking out of the book of James, and it was a great time, but today I'm going to change uh, uh, it up a little bit and uh, talk about something else that I've been studying and just reading about. Uh, I was uh, thinking about how uh, I play games with my son, Taj, and uh, one of the games that we used to play was called this game called Memory. Uh, have you ever played the game Memory? It's a, uh, like a, a game where you have tons of different cards and there's matching cards and you put them face down so you can't see them. And so as the game goes, you get to pull one and then, if you, and then you have to pick another one and you have to try to match them all up. And it's usually a two-person game. And every time we played, Taj would beat me, hands down, every single time. This is since, since he was like little. I mean, now he just destroys me as well. And I think it's because I don't have the best or strongest short-term memory. I'm always forgetting things. Uh, the wife, Alina, is always constantly telling me, write stuff down, put an alarm on. I'm just always forgetting things. And this is my own fault. Like I'm not good about writing stuff out or keeping a journal. Alina is great about that. She writes everything down. As soon as there's something that comes up, she makes a note about it. She'll put an alarm on her phone or on the Echo or Alexa, whichever one you have. Uh, she'll put all these different things to make sure there's reminders. And then she'll also text me about things and always constantly trying to remind me of things that I need to get done. I mean, she'll send me uh, notes or things that I need to go to the market for, and I won't even check the list sometimes, and I'll come back and she's like, why didn't you get this? I'm like, I didn't know you wanted that. She's like, did you check your text? And I'm like, no. And she's like, well, then you didn't, I text you about it. And then, you know, I have to go back and get it. But either way, there's times in my lives where I just don't remember things. And it's this short-term battle that I have. And I think the, the statement truly is true, and that is that the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. That if you can write something down, over time you will remember it. You know, and, and I think I'm just uh, someone that is stubborn about it, and I just need to let go of things and just do it. Write stuff out and make it easier. I was uh, at my parents' house, and they've been moving, and so they've been going through boxes. And my mom showed me this uh, picture of me when I was in the sixth grade, and I'm outside on the grass, and I'm doing this science project. And I, as soon as I saw the picture, a memory just like all this memory just started flooding into my mind. And I can remember what I was doing and, and the project that I made and how I felt doing the project and, and presenting it in front of everybody. In the picture, I'm on the grass and all the kids are around me and I'm doing this volcano that I made with my dad. And it was this science project where you add different chemicals and color and it come, starts to bubble up and it explodes out. And it was so cool. And all the kids thought it was great. And I remember making it with my dad out of this like, you know, putty and, and we got to paint it. And it was just like this volcano thing. And I totally forgot about it until I saw the picture. Then I started to remember all the different things that went into making that project. And I was just reminiscing about it. And I showed Alina and, and she was like asking like, why were you dressed like that? And it's okay, that's how the style was back then. Don't judge the style, so whatever. But I believe that there's things in our lives that we need to remember in our lives. There's, there's ways that we can do them. That's making markers or putting down notes or setting alarms. And I think a lot of you guys are probably like me where you just don't like to do it. And you think like, you know what? I can do it on my own, right? And I think there's a lot of people also in scripture 
that needed a little more help than others. And, and I can relate to them at times. You know, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21 says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him, the glory of the church, uh, church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, through the Old Testament, we can look through the Old Testament and we can see different things where God just showed up so amazing, like showed up so big in people's life, miracles, signs and wonders. And I used to always think this when I when I read through the, the Old Testament, I would go through the different uh, chapters or episodes, you can say, of the children of Israel's journey. And I used to always think, man, this is why love is not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. It's definitely a choice that you have to make. And Because if love was an emotion, then God's love towards the children of Israel would have been lost long ago. You see time and time again where God does these amazing miracles on their behalf, and then not too long afterward, they turn their back and they begin to worship false gods or, or begin to gripe and, and complain about all this stuff. Even though God just brought them out with a mighty hand out of slavery, did all these amazing miracles, and yet they turn their back from him right after that happens. And, and I just think, man, God's love is so strong that it can't just be emotional because if it was emotion, then he would have got so upset and just left him in the desert. But it was a choice that I am not going to leave you not going to forsake you. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be with you. And you're going to, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. This is an everlasting covenant that I'm setting with you. And it's not emotional. God's love for you is not emotion. It's, it's founded in who the very, the very nature of who God is. And it's beautiful. And I, I'm so happy for it. But Psalm says this, Psalms uh, 105.2 says, speak of his wondrous works. Uh, there's people in scripture where we see this kind of uh, play out where, where God tells the people to build these uh, memorials, you could say. And it's th just scattered throughout this, the Old Testament where people, uh, uh, after God would do something, they would make an altar or they would make a memorial and they would stack rocks. And I, and I brought these rocks here. I, these were just from my, my backyard. And um, but they would go and they would get some rocks and they would make these, these pillars, these reminders that, that as they would come back, they would see this and they would say, oh man, this is, I remember when this happened or I remember when God brought me out of this. And, and I think this is kind of what was speaking to me about this, this uh, passages that I was reading and studying on is that I need reminders sometimes and sometimes maybe you do too. That it's so easy to just get caught up in today-to-day to -day life and 2020, as crazy as it is. If you're like me, I'm sure you've been watching the elections and, and just like, what is going on? I don't know why I thought maybe out of everything 2020 had, maybe the election would just be kind of normal. And of course, uh, 2020 comes through again and makes everything super crazy. But it's so easy to just get caught up with what's going on with our own needs and desires in life, which we have, and that's totally fine. But it's sometimes it's so easy to just get distracted about just how good God is and how amazing He is and His love that just endures and, and His mercies that are new every single day and His grace that surpasses and His peace that is just beyond our understanding. These things that we just, 
lose uh, track of because of the day-to-day life. And not to say that we don't love God and we don't appreciate God, but sometimes we need to just sit back and have a, a memorial saying, God, you've done some amazing things in my life. The, the things that you've brought me out of are, are so beyond my understanding. I'm only here today because of your goodness and your grace. Like how often do we just sit in awe of who God is and just say, God, you're, you're amazing. Like I don't have words to describe how good you are to me. You've you, you, you brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light when I didn't even deserve it. You loved me. You sent your son for me. There's times in scripture where we, we see these memorials that God calls people to make and as to bring a remembrance of all those amazing things in life. You know, I, I was reading out of the book of Joshua and, and I was reading about Joshua's life and and the transition from Moses to Joshua in chapter 4. And, and it's so beautiful because you really get to see how God raised Joshua up. You know, Moses was an amazing man. He was an amazing man of God. You know, Moses is a, a type, you can say, in Scripture. There's a thing called typology. And, and Moses was a type of the law. He was a picture of the law that God gave to the people. And Moses is the image of that law. And it's amazing, as amazing as, as Moses was, Moses was not able to bring the people of God into the promised land. Why? Because the law can never bring you into salvation. It only brings you into the understanding of how flawed you truly are. See, Moses couldn't bring people into the promised land. That was a job that was meant for Joseph. Uh, Joshua, sorry, Joshua. For Joshua. God called Joshua to be this deliverer, the the person who would go further than Moses could. You know, Joshua wasn't actually his original name. His name was Oshia. His original name was Oshia. And then Moses later would change his name by putting an abbreviation of Yeshua, or uh, Yahweh, I should say, Yahweh, which would change his name to Yoeshua. Yoeshua meant Joshua, and uh, an English translation. But if you take that name Joshua and put it into the Greek, it comes out Yeshua, which is Jesus. And Joshua is a type as well. Joshua was a type of Jesus. He was a picture of, of salvation. He was a picture of deliverance. He was a picture of hope, of our deliverance in God. Joshua is the one that brought the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses couldn't do it because the law can't bring you into salvation. Only Jesus Christ can do that. You know, we've heard many times throughout the years that, oh, there's different ways to get to God. You know, I remember Oprah tried to, uh, people try to say that Oprah was the spiritual leader of, of the United States. Well, that's not true at all. And she used to say, oh, there's different ways to get to God. And that's not true. Scripture says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one goes to the Father except through me. That we have to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That's the only way to get to heaven. The only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. If anybody comes preaching any other gospel, then they are a liar and you should run from that. But Joshua was a type, an architectural type of Jesus. It was a foreshadowing of what was going to come. But as I was reading through Joshua, I want to go ahead and, and jump over to Joshua. And, and uh, I'm going to jump around in Joshua. So you have your Bible. You can turn there, but it's not going to be on the, the, the screen there. Joshua chapter 4 says this, verse 1. And it came to pass 
when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan. Wait, let me give you a little backstory here. Sorry. Joshua, at this point, God calls Joshua and says, all right, it's time to take the promised land. The promised land that I had given to your people, your, your, your grandparents, your ancestors, I had called them into this promised land. And because of fear, they didn't move in what I had called them to do. So because of their disobedience, they've wandered the desert for 40 years and generation came and gone throughout this time. But Joshua, you're the one that's going to deliver my people Israel into the promised land. So through things go on, Joshua begets, gets the, uh, God tells Joshua, grab the, the Ark of the Covenant and we're going to cross through the Jordan River. And as this Jordan River, they, you can imagine as they come up to the Jordan River and it's, it's, it's just flowing, it's strong, it's big. Joshua gets a command from God, says, take the Ark of the Covenant. And as soon as the priests that are carrying it on the poles begin to walk through, that I will stop the water in its place and my people will cross over on dry land. The same miracle that he, he, he performed 40 years ago as they wandered, before they began to wander the desert, 40 years ago when they passed over uh, the, the Red Sea, the same miracle he's about to do. He says, Joshua, now it's your turn. I'm going per to perform the same type of miracle in your behalf. And he calls them. He says, okay, go, to the, go through the Jordan River into the promised land. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Hi, Bailey. This is my dog. She's here if you guys can see her. Uh, and it came out. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourself 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourself 12 stones from where out the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stand firm. You shall carry them uh, over with you. Leave them in the lodging place for where you lay that night. Jump down to verse 6. Uh, that this may be a sign. Unto those, who, those of your children, when they ask and come and say, what are these things? So he's talking about these stones. He said, Joshua, I want you to get 12 men, one from each tribe. I want you to tell them that when the priests cross into the Jordan, they're going to stand right in the middle and the waters will stop on your behalf. I will supernaturally hold the waters back by my righteous hand. I will hold the waters back so that my people can cross on dry land. And as they do, I want you to get one person from each tribe and I want you to grab a huge rock and it says, I want you to grip this rock and put it on your shoulder and take it to where you lodge that night. So we jump down to verse uh, six and it says that this is what it's for. Uh, that this may be a sign among you when the children ask and the time it comes, they say, what are these stones? The meaning of. And you shall answer them and say this, the water of the Jordans were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant. The Lord, when he crossed, when we crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial for the children of Israel forever. God is saying, look, I'm going to perform a miracle. I'm going to stop the waters and I want you to remember just how good I am how faithful I am, how, how I come through on my promises. If I said it, I will make it so. So Joshua, I want you to take stones from the center of the Jordan and I want you to take them to where you lodge that night and create a memorial 
on my behalf for what I've just done, this miracle that I've just done. So they would have gotten these rocks and, and they would have placed them all up and, and, and got these huge, they were much bigger than these ones. These are just from my backyard. Um, but you can get a kind of an idea how they would have made this memorial that when people would come by, they would see these huge boulders stacked on top of each other. And they would say, what does this mean? What does this, this memorial mean? And the people, the generations before them would say, this is from when God delivered us into the promised land. We were able to walk on dry land because of God's promises, because of his mighty delivering power. He delivered us into the promised land. He, he stopped the water in its place and we walked through the Jordan on dry land. This is beautiful. See, sometimes in our lives we, we, we see these miracles and, and understand this, that we don't build our relationship with God based on miracles. Building a relationship with God based on miracles is building that relationship on sand. See, that, that, that foundation will eventually fade and it will be washed away by the tides of time and tribulations in our lives. Let me tell you a story. I went to Peru as a young, uh, as a teenager, actually, I apologize, as, as a young adult. And I took some teens with me to Peru for a missions trip. And there was about 20 of us out there and we had a, a powerful time. We, we got to minister and preach on the streets and, and win people uh, to God. And it was just a beautiful time. And there was one of the times we were doing an, an outside crusade kind of thing just in the marketplace. And we just felt, you know what, we need to do an altar call and then also a, a healing call as well. And we said, hey, is there anybody here that is sick or that needs healing in their body? And you understand, we had a crowd. Like when, when they understood that we were Americans here and preaching the gospel, we had hundreds of people that showed up. And one man came and he was hunched over. He was like crouched, really, like really hunched over. And he came up and, and we asked through a translator, what's wrong with you? And he said, my back, I've, I've been hunched over for years. I, I had an accident at work and I haven't been able to stand up straight. And so we said, okay. And I remember I, I had one of our youth there and I said, put your hand on his back and we're going to pray and believe God's powerful, mighty, delivering, healing power is going to flow through this man. And I, we began to pray and, and uh, my youth put his hand on his back and I didn't touch him. I just had my hand on my youth and, and we're praying and I'm, I'm, my eyes are closed and, and we're praying. And I said, Father, just I declare healing power to flow through this man. This is your child. You love him. You sent your son to die on the cross for him. And as we begin to pray, we begin to hear bones popping. And the, the, my youth, that had the, the young man who had his hand on this man, could feel the bones pop under his hand. And the man began to stand up straight. And as he did, bone began to pop and pop. You could hear them. They were audibly, they were loud. And my, my youth could feel them popping in his hand. And that man walked away standing upright, straight and rejoicing. And, and the smile on his face was amazing. And that young man, that youth, came home just on fire for God. Just so in, uh, uh, just excited and and just wanted to pursue God with everything that he had. But you know what happened? It, it, it faded. It, it didn't last because it wasn't grounded in a relationship with God. It was uh, an emotion that he felt through the miracle. I'm telling you, the children of Israel saw miracle and miracle, miracle after miracle. But that didn't sustain them. This is why we don't live by miracles. We live 
through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. That's our foundation. That's where our truth, that's where our joy comes from. It doesn't come from miracles. Oh God, you came through with this and and that was amazing. Yes, we create uh, memorials to look to and say, God, you came through on this, so I know you'll come through on this. But I'm not here looking for miracles, searching for miracles. I'm searching and pursuing God. And God will just have, make everything work together for the good, no matter what is going on. But Joshua, Joshua was called to lead his people into the promised land. This is a picture of salvation that the, you know, the water in Scripture is, has a meaning. It's symbolic for something. See, water is usually pictured in Scripture as destruction, as judgment, as a, a judgmental uh, um, proclamation over people. You see, uh, Noah, the water, the floodwaters came and just destroyed the earth. You see, Jonah, as he disobeyed God, he was taken to the depths of the ocean in a fish. He was covered in water. The Egyptians were covered by the Red Sea in judgment from God. Water is usually a picture of judgment. And in this time, as the children of Israel cross, God pushed the judgment back on their lives and said, I will have you walk across in salvation and in deliverance. Joshua was a picture of Christ bringing salvation to the people. You know, but there's another pile of rocks that was made that day. And if we jump down to verse 9, it says this. Joshua chapter 4, verse 9. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. And the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood... And there they are till this day. So what happened was Joshua commanded the the 12 men to take rocks and make a pillar, a visual memorial for the children of Israel to see. But as they were doing that, Joshua on his own, where the priests were holding the Ark of the Covenant, he took 12 boulders and created another monument that would be submerged in water that nobody would see, that nobody could look to and say, what is that one for? Because it's completely covered by the Jordan. And it says right here that it's there till this day, that that, that, that rock memorial is still buried by the oceans, by the waters of the Jordan. But what does this one mean? It doesn't go into detail why this was there. See, this memorial represents the ones that won't follow God. This this represents the ones that won't cross over, that won't accept the salvation message, that won't accept the deliverance that only comes through Jesus Christ. This is the one that the judgment of water will pass over them. I'm here to tell you that God is calling us, calling us as Christians to to not let our loved ones be covered over by the judgment. It's on us to preach the gospel to them, to show the memorials, but Teach them faith in Jesus Christ. I want to close with this right here. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. See, Joshua, he had an assignment to usher God's people into the promised land. 
And he made two memorials, one that was visible and one that was unseen. God is calling you to be that memorial for people to look to. See, I'm not saying that you need to walk around and put little stacks of rocks everywhere. Be a living memorial that people can say, you know what? I remember how you used to be and, and you don't act that way anymore. I remember that you used to act like this and, and now you're completely different. I used to remember that you were so depressed and distraught and now you're full of joy and always optimistic about things. Where is this coming from? I can look to you and ask, how are you, you like this? What has changed in your life? And you could say, it's only because of Jesus Christ. It had nothing to do with me. I, it wasn't in my power, in my might. It was through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross that, that just covered me with love and compassion and grace and mercy and truth. God's calling you today to be that memorial. Don't allow our friends and our families and those we come in contact to be the memorial that is submerged in water, that, that don't know Christ, that don't accept Christ, that aren't hearing the gospel. It's on us as Christians to be that living memorial for those to see just how amazing our God truly is. I mean, 2020, people are looking for hope for sure. They're, they're looking for answers and we have the answers. It's in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.